in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I've had a, uh, a pretty long week. Yeah. Last week's transition this week, but uh, it's been a good uh, business owner life lesson for me. I don't have a damn choice but to keep doing everything that I do every single day. And whether I like to wake up and have a good day that day or not, I have a lot of people I got to be worried about. So I have sure. to be me. Um, Indeed. Which uh, So that's been that. But uh, otherwise, uh, my, my good buddies took me to Nashville this weekend uh, for my buddy Sean's birthday. So happy birthday to him is one of my shout outs. Uh, Indeed. Good friends of mine who were not going to accept me staying home even after everything that happened to Maverick. They just basically told me, uh, you got kind of two options. Either you're coming or we're going to come get you and you're going to go anyways. And Absolutely. I think John can probably gotta, carry me out. You got to get out. Uh, you got to live your life. It's it's bad situation excuse me, that you went through. But uh, yeah, you got to keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah, so I had fun in Nashville. If you've never been to Nashville, it, uh, it's awesome. Like If you love country music, it's amazing. The only thing I would tell you is less places are playing country music. So the live bands play it. Mm-hmm. But if you go to like one of the floors, it's like hip hop music, most of it. Really? Which is threw us for a loop because we joked we're like three brown cowboys who just love, <laughs> love country music. Right. And uh, they played less country music and mm-hmm. it had gotten really expensive. Still the same way it was, mm-hmm. but drinks at a couple of the big bars, $12 a drink. Boom. Beers were like six, seven dollars. Wow. And I think what's happened is the real estate market has boomed in Nashville. So yep. landlords are saying, Well, great, now your lease has gone up and at no fault of business owners, they have no. to cover now a lease yep. that's probably doubled or tripled. So they prices have gone up. But prices for drinks in Nashville used to be used to grab a pitcher of beer, it cost a couple bucks. Right. They're on par with Chicago River North spots. Well, I do know that it's become incredibly popular over the last several years, and I have not been there, but it is on my list. Yeah. And apparently I did not beat the curve. It's you, You're still in the fun curve, so it'll still be, it'll be expensive, yeah. but I'll tell you this, for how many people frequent Nashville, yeah. I'll compare it to like Las Vegas, when you go out and people are kind of being like um, smug or like kind of bumping into you, and like you get yeah. that sometimes, or even River North here sometimes. Mm. People are shoulder to shoulder. They're dancing. They're having a good time. You legitimately look around. I did it at one point when I was uh, like Friday or Saturday night, and I'm like, there's not an unhappy person in this bar. And no, it was good. just the streets filled with people. There's music, live music everywhere. Right. So it's a kick-butt atmosphere. Um, but I would fly now. We drove. We thought it might be a better idea because yeah. we said, oh, by the time we get to the airport, get on a plane, land, maybe we'll switch shifts driving. Sure. Huge mistake. <laughs> Never again. That was it. How long? Did it take to drive? Ish. I had made it in five and a half hours previously, but I had no traffic. On the way down, um, my driving shift, uh, the highway got shut down. A bus and a truck hit each other. So we end up in like little Ooh. side roads, uh, yeah. bumper to bumper. It took us seven-ish, seven and a half hours. And then on the way back, same thing same happened. Same thing. Wow. Um, it, there was a tornado siren that went off when we were there. Everybody's having bad weather. Everybody complains that Chicago's having bad weather, mm-hmm. but it's weird down there, unseasonably wet. When I was in San Francisco, it was unseasonably warm. Yeah. Everybody's having like a F yeah. like season into summer. Right, right. But yeah, so Nashville was uh, was cool. That's good. Good. I food. mean, all said and done, you had yeah. fun. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good friends. So shout out to Sean and John for taking me down there. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really appreciate them being good friends. Well, that's what friends are supposed to do, yep. and that was very cool. And happy birthday to Sean, belated, but still happy birthday. Uh, 
but everything else is good? Yeah, everything else is good. I'm excited about this. Um, I, I guess I'll say kind of what we're doing today and a little background and then let you do the shout out. I'm excited for today's show. We do this once a quarter. It's kind of Mo and John's Ask Us Anything. I've had a couple people text me questions. I have a couple people said they're going to chime in and ask questions. So I have some questions. And you came up with a really cool twist this time around. Uh, said, hey, let's showcase some clips from you know some of our past guests. We've right. had so many amazing guests, so we just picked out a couple. Yeah. Um, not not trying to not include people, but no, it'd, no. Be a, it'd be a, I, a show of clips. And one thing that John <laughs> does really, really well is if you follow us on social media like Instagram or Facebook at AE Wheelhouse, John does an incredible job of cutting out clips of uh, advice, lessons learned that all of our uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, charity um, um, CEOs and people who run charities are influencers just all around awesome people have given to us and then people watching yeah. because the premise of Wheelhouse was when we started and you can correct me if I'm wrong on your part but I think I speak for both of us we wanted to get a bunch of like-minded business owners influencers like just all around cool successful people sure. who have a variety of life lessons in mm -hmm. studio to just talk about how they got their mistakes, what's worked for them, not worked, and then just take that advice and then give it to everybody else. So yeah. I have learned so much um, in the last year-ish that we've yeah. done this yeah. from our guests. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing. Just Not only do you learn a lot, but you relate. This is for us a passion piece, but it's also a business for John and I. We're business mm -hmm. partners in this, and we're growing a business. And sometimes we're like, ah, we wish... We'd be further along already than we are, but mm -hmm. I look back and one of my lessons that I'll give later kind of relates to this. Um, we're still in our infant stages of a we business. Are. So we've come so far in a year. I, I look at what we've done in the last 12 months and it's like, whoa, from our first episode to mm -hmm. now and how many awesome guests we've had, I've learned a lot from them. And now I'm like re-relating to them as a new business owner in this venture. So sure. I'm, I'm psyched. It's been fun. No, I agree. And, and I tell this, I tell this story when I'm out and talking about the show a little bit and I'll just share real fast, but you know, Mo's in front of the camera, uh, navigating the conversation, asking questions, giving feedback and such. Um, and like Mo's, Mo just said, like he just said, you just said, uh, we have, we've had some amazing people with great stories, backstories, um, forward looking people. Uh, and there are times where I'm, I'm watching them and listening, but I kind of forget that I'm supposed to be shifting cameras and watching audio levels. And it'll just, it'll, I'll have to snap, snap myself back into reality. It's like, oh, yeah. But then I go back and watch the shows and really just write notes and, and have learned, like you said, a ton, just little tidbits. Um, but wow, interesting people. I it's funny you say that because I go back and I watch all the shows because I'm sitting here conversing and I'm like, I just, I watch all the shows back. I, I, I hate myself on camera. And when I listen to myself, some people, some of my friends may be like, I think you're lying. But truly, I watch it and I'm very critical of myself. And mm -hmm. um, it, it's tough to watch yourself on anything. Sure. But I watch it back to just get, pick up on the little details I may have missed mm -hmm. trying to mm -hmm. converse. But I always think to you, I, to be able to have to, um, deal with the audio, different people's volume, some people sit back, some people sit forward, um, the split screening. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, kudos to you on how good you got at 
managing the camera work in here. For those of you who obviously can't see the whole studio, mm -hmm. there's lights everywhere, there's different cameras, and um, sometimes, especially when you have two guests that are um, going back and forth, going back and forth, which yeah. is the best part of the show. Yeah. It's it's yeah. the kind of roundtable experience we have where two yeah. guests, either whether they know each other or not, now get to kind of interact. Mm -hmm. um, keeping the camera work together is hard. <laughs> um, so kudos to you. That's gotten so good. I watch it back now and I'm like, man, I, I would have never known which one's about to speak up and then you're on them with the camera. It's almost like you've created the sixth sense of how to manage the cameras in here. Just I hard. enjoy it. You know, there are times like anything in life, you're a second behind. But for the most part, it's just you can kind of tell when somebody's winding their point down and somebody's about to pick up. And really, not that we're going to just spend the whole hour patting each other on awesome the back. You are? But <laughs> no, but I was going to say with you, uh, you know, when we first started and it was uh, we were talking primarily, we had some friends come in and so on and so forth. Uh, but then we started bringing in people that neither of us had actually met, uh, just, you know, via LinkedIn or whatever. Uh, for you to be able to sit and have a conversa conversation with somebody uh, and not know their speech pattern. And so it's like, okay, if they are they taking a breath or are they done? And, you, you know, so you don't want to just sit there with silence. And you've gotten really good at just, you know, keeping that, keeping everything, moving the ball down the field. I appreciate that. <laughs> Shout out to uh, our one of our most recent guests. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, ball. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I think we've had a great year, especially a great quarter. Yeah. And going forward, uh, we have a lot of really cool guests coming up. We, I mean, we've hit everything from entertainers to politicians to business owners to charity mm -hmm. owners to athletes, pro mm -hmm. athletes, some pretty famous ones. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a clip in a little bit by our good buddy, Lewis Taylor. Yep. Um, so, so, so many of these things that uh, have been awesome. We actually have a question, so I'll answer his questions in case he's watching because that's yeah, what sure. this is what do you for. Got? Kenny Brown just asked us, how hard was the Illinois broker exam and also how did you study to pass it? Mm. Good question. So I'm a little bit different than some because as an attorney, I actually don't have to take the class. So I bought the same book that everybody gets in the class and I read it and I, I thought of it as a final exam. However, I coach and train a lot of brokers who've not had that benefit. So advice is get a good course. Uh, Chicago Social Realtors has a really good one. Your House Real Estate Academy has a really good one. So have a good coursework so that your teacher is teaching you the right stuff to pass the test. It's like passing a final exam. Um, there is a program online called Exam Smart. It's 50 bucks. Download that. That is, uh, from from what I've gathered from everybody who is a new realtor who's passed that test, Exam Smart's a great mimic for the state exam. They give you tons of questions, and when you get it wrong, they tell you why it's wrong, and they tell you why the other mm -hmm. answer's right. So definitely Exam Smart. Without pissing off, okay, I'm gonna piss off everybody anyways, <laughs> uh, who might be a part of like licensing boards and stuff, the test has zero impact on your ability to be a... Um, good real estate broker and a successful real estate broker. Mm -hmm. It's nobody gives a rat's behind how many square yards a or square feet a acre is and that right. stuff. But you have to pass this test to be able to get licensed. So what I tell everybody is think of it as like a final exam you got to take for school, study your butt off, and if you fail it, don't freak out. It doesn't have a bearing on how successful you are. What ends up happening with people is they feel it's like, oh, I'm going to be a terrible broker. I'm done. I'm just, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. If I took the test today, I'd fail it. 
badly. And I mean that. Paula in our office jokes, she's like, I want you to take the test so I can frame how badly you did and make fun of you. <laughs> I do poorly. But if you fail it, go take it again. I think you get four chances. And keep taking it till you pass it. It's one of those things with once you've passed it, you never have to worry about it again. But I would urge you, uh, Kenny, if, if you're going to take the test, mm -hmm. um, just study your butt off. Don't tell anyone you're going to take it so you put no pressure on yourself. Nice. Everybody tells like, oh, their loved ones and their friends, I'm taking my exam next week. Right. And then if they fail, they, right. they feel like crap because they're like, oh, I got to tell people I failed. Don't tell people you're taking it. And if you fail, go back and take it again. I'll tell you, some of my best brokers have at least failed at once. And some brokers that I didn't think would pass it in general in real estate, pass it the first time. And I honestly think it was just preparation. It has nothing to do with your intelligence level. But well, study for it. I would have to assume that a lot of being a successful realtor is personality and interaction yeah. and patience. Yeah. You know, so Business you can owner. Yeah. 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 You, you can know all the stats, but if, if you don't have the personality or the patience to deal with other people's personalities, you, you're going to. Yeah. No, I mean, burn. listen, uh, and Kenny and a couple of realtors are listening. I, I say this all the time. You as a real estate agent, are a business owner mm -hmm. and your brokerage is a consultant to help you grow that business that they should be giving you the marketing tools, giving you the lessons, teaching you how to grow it. But you have to think of yourself as a business person, not just an employee or a salesperson in somebody's office with that, all the things that we've been teaching, all the entrepreneurs that have come on here and the lessons that we're going to be kind of putting in videos today, even mm -hmm. you have to be able to learn with, uh, the struggle of failure, learning from those lessons moving forward. You have to be consistent with your hard work. You have to be able to deal with people. Mm -hmm. I, I have had, I can count on my hands, how many, on one hand, how many times I've actually yelled at an opposing real estate broker in 10 years, in a decade. I'm calm on the level of like dealing with other brokers. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that I can't get mad every time a broker does a dumb thing. Like you just have to be good at dealing with people. Right. Um, and you just have to know that you have to, your expectations have to be managed. What we just said about uh, wheelhouse, mm -hmm. you know, in your first year, work really hard, but don't expect to be, you know, Jeff Lowe or Matt Laracy after year one. You know, Jeff Lowe did a, it, he he teeters as one of the top realtors for basically a decade, sells a couple hundred million dollars worth of real estate. I know Matt Laracy has said something similar to this in the past. These guys and, and the girls who are at the top, mm -hmm. they didn't do this in year one, and year 10, 15, 20, they're working harder than they did year one and they've been consistent all along without skipping a beat. Jeff Lowe, somebody asked him, what separates you from us in, in, in a uh, coaching session that he did, like basically a top producer panel years back. I'll never forget this. He said, I'm no different than you guys. I've just been more consistent for 20 years. He goes, I was a rental broker at first. I stayed in touch with everybody. I worked really hard. Those people bought $250,000 homes. Those people eventually sold them about 400,000. Those people eventually sold those about 800, so on and so forth. But it didn't happen overnight. You know, a lot of people say, okay, my first year was tough and now I hate real estate. Mm -hmm. You're a business owner. The first year of any business isn't gonna be a, a walk in the park ever. Right. You know, and a lot of our guests have shown that. So I think uh, pass that test and then know you're a business owner and get the right coaching to, to help you develop as a business owner. So watch wheelhouse shameless plug watch wheelhouse every Wednesday. We got good, <laughs> good business owners who are going to give you some advice. Very good. Um, so just picking up on that and asking a question, follow up question. When you are coaching individuals, and I know that we've talked a lot on air or off uh, as far as setting your goals 
and breaking it down to a week, win the week. Mm-hmm. Um, do you explain that? And more importantly, I, I know you do. I, that was yeah. More importantly, do you see when it resonates with somebody, or do you just see the words bounce off their forehead? I think it's a really good question. That last question there, and um, I think that. Everybody gets motivated in that coaching session. It's my one coaching session I do where everyone's like, oh my God, like he simplified what we have to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. But almost nobody trusts that it's that simple until they've really stuck with it for a year. So I have an agent of mine, I'm not going to name him, but he's a top producer now. The first year we did this, at the end of the year, he's like, I'm a couple leads away from where I needed to be, but I'm almost smack dab on the sales figures that we talked about. What you said works. And I was like, okay. He probably had some doubts throughout the process. Oh, it's not that simple. Um, And I tell everybody, it actually is simple. It's not easy. Simple and easy are two very different words. Concur. Simple is, real estate's not rocket science. My first coaching session is the seven methods of lead generation for agents. I'm Mm -hmm. like, afterwards, they're like, whoa, it's that easy. I'm like, it's not easy. It's, It's that simple. Being able to do all these things Make sure that every single week you're winning the week for 52 weeks. That's not easy. Life gets in the way. Your motivation levels drop. You have a bad run of clients, which puts you far behind. You have failures along the way. So simple and ease are two very separate things, and I think business owners have to understand that. Mm -hmm. The path to success in any business is typically out there, unless you're inventing something, right? right? Like you want to have a successful car dealership? There are other car dealerships that you can model what you're doing after. You know, right. you can learn that. But then implementing what they do for a long, long period of time through failures, through um, shifts in your life, that mm. is not easy. That's actually difficult. So I try to distinguish that with realtors. I tell them, listen, when it will click for you is when you've given it an honest effort for a year and you've seen that it worked. Because in real estate in specific, and this is not every industry, we're very lucky. The National Association of Realtors they data compile like mad people, you know, because there's so much data and when you sell your house, it's public information, sure. you know, which realtors do really well, how marketing's done. So there's a wealth of information out there. So you know the average sales prices, you know how many people you have to contact to, you know, close one warm lead. So mm-hmm. we're very blessed. These aren't my, I tell people, these aren't my statistics. I'm researching statistics that are out there and then breaking them down for you within your business. So we're lucky for those of you who are watching that are in real estate that, we're in a business where you can quantify everything. Yeah, it's it's sim- it's simple, but not it's simple. easy. But the the hard part is that stick-to-itiveness. Yeah, it's just that it's something as simple as going to the gym. I equate it to going to the gym. It's yep. it's what I tell people is, yep. if I had to lose fifty pounds, and God, I mean, you still look like you did when you lost a little weight. I'm getting Thank fat you. again, um, but it's. Everybody can be in shape, you know. Um, you know, uh, shout out to our past guest now, Evan Shy. You might not look like Evan, <laughs> right? But Evan can teach you everything you need to know to be in shape. Mm-hmm. It's not. He'll tell you it's not rocket science. Now, Evan has gone through uh, graduate level degrees of this, so he he's very knowledgeable. Anybody can learn the right ways to eat, and he can give you the blueprint, mm-hmm. and he can tell you what to do to work out. And you can get in very, very good shape if you just do that every day. Mm-hmm. The problem is people, when they hit some struggle or the day is hard or something's up, they don't keep Evan's level of motivation right. and do it every day. So it's exactly like working out. I mean, to yeah. simplify it, how do you get in shape? You have a good diet, go work out. Yeah. 
that's that it. simple. That's all Unless you have a debilitating disease sure. or you're ill, and well, you right. just can't. Right, right. Most people, if they're motivated enough to be in shape, can mm-hmm. get in shape. Same thing with a business. Most people who are motivated enough to eventually become successful can't. Will there be roadblocks? Yes. Are mm-hmm. there just like an illness, a variety of things that can happen to you, an accident or something? Sure. Mm-hmm. But most people won't keep that motivation for long enough. It's like, it's, so it's simple. With the converse, conversation we're having um, and speaking about looking forward, being patient, doing what you need to do to be healthy, I think this might be a good time to uh, introduce our first clip of oh, the day. Good. I know where you're going now. Look exactly. at that. That was a good, you, look, he's, he's mm-hmm. introducing it at a perfect time. <laughs> Well done. We so, don't plan this, by the way. No, this was this was sort of a this will moving forward. Organic. We'll be doing this, but uh, yeah, uh, we had a gentleman on about eight weeks ago, episode forty nine, named Johnny Immerman, and he is the founder and CEO of Immerman Angels, and what they do is, well, I tell you what, I'm going to play the clip. Because I believe in this first clip, uh, he explains a little bit about it, and then we can jump Discuss, back into yeah. it. All right. Johnny Immerman, Immerman Angels. It's much more about a team than my personal story, but um, I was a lucky guy. Uh, maybe sound crazy to some people, but in my 20s, I got diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, went through chemo, went through surgeries, had the best mom, had the great brother, a lot of great friends from high school that were there to support me. But the one missing piece was I'm looking around this room around me on chemo and no young people who could look in my eye and say, I understand. You know, I've been through this before. I get it. And I'm like, wait, I have to have a testicle cut out. I'm probably not going to be able to nail children. Um, What is, you know, life going to be like after this? I just felt very isolated. So a group of survivors and myself, we got together post-treatment in the hospital and we just started saying, hey, Let's build a network so nobody has to go through it like we did, alone and nervous and scared. And and so now we've been able to recruit as a team, again, it's always a team, um, over 10,000 people who have either survived chemo uh, and cancer or a family member has or a family member or spouse has been through it or their child's been through it. But they're people who've been through the cancer journey who join us as angels of Inverman Angels. When somebody's newly diagnosed, they can be on call to step in and take that call to share their story one-to-one and help that person. So, Johnny Immerman, cancer survivor, and not only did he survive, but he put together a coalition, as you just heard, over 10,000 now, of individuals who understand how important it was to get the support that they got, but want to reach out to or have perfect strangers reach out to them and give them those the guidance and the support that only people who went through it can understand. And I know you can attest to this as well. When he was in here, the positive energy and the, the heart and just the beautiful soul that he is. I was just, this was one of those times I was saying, I I was having a hard time doing the controls back here because I was so engrossed in what he was saying. He was just espousing positive energy and the grind because once 
you are a cancer survivor, patient survivor, you are always on guard and having to eat healthier and be healthier and take better care and so on and so forth. So I, you know, hats off to him, of course, but uh, his work and his grind and dedication to living a better life and helping others can't be beat. It's, um, I agree with you. That day that he was in here, um, even sitting next to him, he is um, not just on wheelhouse, maybe ever for me, like meeting people and just being around them, whether it's I meet him out in a business setting, in uh, any setting whatsoever. He might be the most infectiously positive person I've ever met. Yep. And in a way where you immediately understand his purpose. And he understood his purpose, obviously, in a very difficult time in his life. And mm-hmm. it, it's crazy because he, he was going through something that was very, very difficult. It was life-threatening. He, he, was, mm-hmm. he was dying. Yes. And he looked around and realized, because your purpose when you're dying is to live. Correct. Right. So you're losing your life and, and your singular focus is to live. But this is a guy who understood that's his focus, looked around that room, realized there's a lot of other people who are struggling with what he's struggling with, and had a secondary purpose that was just as strong to get them to live better yep. and or, or more effectively. And, and what he's done from that moment when he kind of had his, his aha moment mm-hmm. to now is unbelievable. And, and I would tell anybody... If you have an opportunity to meet this guy, to be around him, to take a look into his charity, just to do any anything that has to do anything with Emberman Angels, I, yep. I, I assure you that two minutes of interaction with him is life-changing. I and and I, I, I agree with you. I was sitting here listening to his story and then listening to what, his why, his purpose mm-hmm. and his why. I had goosebumps. I was just like, unbelievable. Yeah. W- yeah. One, of the best, one of the best hours I've had spending time with anybody right. anywhere. Yeah. Set aside and, wheelhouse. And beyond all of that, all those uh, true praises, he's just an unassuming, mm-hmm. just totally down to earth, funny, nice, compassionate, but dealing with, uh, like you said, life threatening and dealing with people who are going through life threatening situations. But man, he just, what a calming. Yeah force he is yeah i um i was touched by that episode and i i think forever i'm gonna like think of his life lessons i mean it is he's he's an incredible guy yeah and i and i'm gl- glad his charity is is a mega charity now you know mm-hmm. they're not if you haven't heard of immerman angels you're underneath a rock someplace for most of your life because mm-hmm. they're just uh and he's so humble about it right yeah he, he's He's a very successful guy, obviously, very. but he's still very humble about it. Yep. And uh, he's taken his, this this purpose and this why, and and they're just kicking butt. Yep. So and you know, shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know a lot of times, you know, time goes by, and with the show, we always want to make sure that we're there are a lot of great people out there, and we want to tell or help allow people tell their own story. But he would be somebody. Not right away, but next year, I'd love to have him come back and just either retell in, in part his story, give us updates, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's one of those guys that's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can. yeah, you, you want to meet him. You want any amount of time you can spend yeah. being around that guy, your, your life will be improved. Yeah, I concur 100%. We have a 
fan question again. You want me to go to that? Sure, bring it. Good fan of the show, my good buddy, Matt Rosen. Um, I'm going to read this off my phone here. Uh, for a small business owner, what's one recommendation you would have for someone who is too backed up and concerned they won't want to grow themselves out of business? Um, how do you properly handle that growth? Good question. Um, one recommendation will be hard, but let me try to, and guys, this is, people ask the questions on the fly and I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a good answer on the fly as well. Um, growth, I, I've been notoriously bad at this and Matt probably knows this about me. So good curveball question, buddy. Um, it's your team and you have to be comfortable growing your team and making sure that you surround yourself with the right people but being comfortable letting go of some control of what you're trying to grow. You can oversee things, but where I always, I'll use my law firm as kind of an example of this. It was the thing that was singular to me, just me and myself for a very long time. And I think I went five years before my first person came on outside of me. Uh, Tim Asimo, shout out to him. He's just an absolute rock star and, and my main man over at Dot Law. I had to get comfortable knowing that somebody else can help me grow the business because I only have so much time to do what I was doing at that time. So I hired Tim. It was amazing. Um, he's a partner at the law firm. He's a rock star now. But I think with any business, you have to figure out when and where in your business to start adding people to help you. And I always tell everybody, you're going to be very good at certain things in your business. You're going to be less good or even sometimes bad at some parts of your business. I really dislike in the real estate world where every other article says that your first hire has to be an assistant. Bullshit. You might not have the need for somebody to do that work. You might be very buyer heavy and you need a buyer's agent. You have to take an honest look at what you're doing in your business and where the growth will help you plug weaknesses. And I think we spoke about this last week actually on the show, being self-aware. Self-awareness was a topic that's come up with a lot of our guests. Mm -hmm. And if you can give an honest look into where your business needs to be plugged in or where somebody will do a job better than you, you have to let go of the control and you have to hire somebody to help you. I use the term, let the chef do the cooking all the time. Mm -hmm. I am bad at a lot of stuff. I always want to have somebody who's really good at that stuff be a partner. You and I have very different strengths in what we do. That's why we work. I'd say, you know, my partners in everything that I do, we have different strengths. I'm, they're better than me in a lot of things and I'm better than them in some things. So we mesh well that way. And I think even your, the team that's below you, not your partners, you have to just make sure you have people who are better than you and then give them the opportunity to have some free reign to come up with some creative stuff and help it grow. And once you're in the process of growing a team, what you have to do is make sure you kind of, you have a pulse on keeping that team happy. You know, we talked about that last week too. You know, mm -hmm. you just have to build a uh, culture. We talked on, about culture last mm -hmm. week. You know, you have to build a very good culture among the people you work with because then everybody's vested interest is to help you grow. So that's my, um, that's my long-winded answer to Matt's question. But <laughs> it's tough to give one recommendation for that because I've struggled with it. So a lot of what I'm doing is because I was very bad at just letting control go because I'm like, this is my baby. But then mm -hmm. I realized I'm one person and I can only do so much. And I suck at some things. And But I, it took a while for me to realize, well, you're not good at everything. You suck at a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you got to bring on some people that don't suck at that stuff. Sure. And then you'll do well. So that's my recommendation. That's a very, very good recommendation. I agree with you wholeheartedly. You're like, uh, yeah, I know you suck at stuff. <laughs> but there are. People have 
their strengths and weaknesses. And that's a when you can find two, three, four, five people to build that brick wall, so to speak, mm-hmm. that that is strong and cohesive because everybody's strengths is being put to the forefront and everybody's weaknesses are not being poo-pooed, but you, you're getting help, yeah. you know? So, uh, so many people want to look or point out other people's uh, weaknesses and say, oh, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, you know, help. All, a lot of times it just takes a little bit of push in the right direction, little hint here and there, because most people that are, are very strong in whatever, they have the, the mindset. It's just they, they haven't had the opportunity to learn yeah. or pick up. Because uh, like you, like me, like everybody, 24 hours in a day, you can only learn so much and be good at it. You mm-hmm. can learn a bunch, but you can't be good at everything. But you know what? When you have somebody who's willing to help you and push in that right direction, give you a, a tip or a hint, you know. And t- you just said a great thing. Take the tips and hints from people. Um, I feel like sometimes people have ideas and they have thoughts and they're very, uh, they're most married to those things and they don't mm-hmm. want to take advice from people. Mm-hmm. I was like that when I first started. You know, this is my idea, it's my baby. But I've gotten good at listening to people's constructive advice. Yeah, some people, some don't listen to the people who are assholes and are just doubting you. Yeah. But if you're an intelligent enough person who can emotionally detach yourself from like, a business situation, you can tell when somebody's trying to give you constructive advice mm-hmm. and somebody who's just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And if they're just being an asshole, just don't don't listen. But yeah, if somebody's trying to give you advice because they, they care about you, they might be wrong, but you at least have to take what they're saying in consideration and think about it a little bit. I love cheesy quotes, and one of the most simple quotes is there's no I in team. It's true. Uh, you know, People hate that sort of like lingo, but it's true. If you have a team together, you have to be at least open to working with that team and then taking advice from them. I've had staff give some incredible advice. I've had agents in our office come up with these really cool ideas and advice. And like we're sitting there as partners, we're like, whoa, why didn't we think of that? Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't. This brilliant person just did, and we right. should run with it. Through the course of time, people I've dealt with, small business owners in particular, um, and it sounds like you have graduated out of this, but people take things so personally. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody brings an idea, a thought, a tweak to what somebody's already doing, people just, well, why, why, why? Or, or it's almost like you are questioning their authority. It's yeah. like, well, no, it's just a, you know, an ad. Suggestion. What yeah. do you think? You know, don't don't get mad. Just take it for what it is and... You know, if it works, great. And if not, I'm just trying to help. But people get just, ooh. People emotionally age differently. I think I had to early on because I had to open my business when I was very young. And I didn't have a choice, like, to just age emotionally. But I think people emotionally age differently. I think if you're going to be a business owner and I I think if you're going to be a business owner and act like you just said people do, Mm -hmm. I think ultimately you are going to have a very difficult, miserable process as being a business owner. And there is virtually no way you'll take your small business to a big one because as it grows, you have to, you have to deal with other people. You're going to have to deal with opinions. You're going to have to deal with suggestions and you're going to have to deal with people who you work with who are just, maybe they're not on your team and 
they're going to tell you something you don't want to hear and you don't right. have a goddamn choice. You right. know? So, um, yeah, I agree. I think you have, to, you have to emotionally grow very, very quickly as a business owner. We have another question. Should we answer that one and then go on to our second clip? Yeah, 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 yeah. sure. Go ahead. I like that we got questions. Thank you guys for asking questions because this is, we like this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I live in the suburbs and still become a broker in the city or should I live in the city to be a city broker? Because I would love to have my own single family home while I am single one day in the suburbs for the price and size. Well, Kenny, I am living in the suburbs mm-hmm. and I work in the city. Um, so yes, you can do that. And anybody who tells you you can't do that is absolutely insane. First of all, it's just a commute away. Second of all, one thing I like to tell people is unless you are a mega agent, mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm naming names over and over again. If you're Jeff Lowe and a Matt Laracy, Matt Laracy can say, I'm going to work in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. because he's, he's a rock star and he kills it in Chicago. Mm-hmm. If you're a newer agent, I urge you, do not, do not, do not, do not corner yourself into, I'm a River North agent. Why? Yeah. You're only going to look at that. Your friends that want to move to Deerfield, you're not going to research the Deerfield market and try to help them out. I urge you to be a realtor in the Chicagoland market. I've worked in Aurora. I've worked in Joliet. I've worked in Gurney. I've worked in Waukegan. I worked in Northbrook. Yes, you will start to build areas where you are more prominent than others. Sure. But you 1 million percent should not restrict yourself to one area. Yes, if you live in the suburbs and a lot of your clients are in the city, well, you got to commute and you're going to have funny traffic related posts like I do all the time. Hmm. Um, you're going to hate 94 and that's just going to become part of your life. But, um, you know, you have Audible, you have podcasts you can listen to, you mm-hmm. can listen to AE Wheelhouse. But definitely, if you want to buy a single family home and you want to move to the suburbs because that's going to improve your quality of life over living in the city, do it. I, I think that making a decision in general about where you want to live, you have to think five years down the line. I'm making this decision for myself right now. You know, I'm now in a house mm-hmm. that I'm in the suburbs. Um, you know, it's a, it's a larger house that I'm living in by myself. My dog passed away. It's very quiet. I think I was telling you about the, this last week. I, th- should I sell it? Should I move back to the city? Should I, what right. should I do? And I came back to what I tell all my clients. Think about where you want to be in five years and then buy a house based off that. So if you think in the next five years you're going to enjoy your life more in a large home in the suburbs, buy that. Do not care about most of your clients being in the city. It's okay to commute there. You can learn a lot about the city of Chicago and the suburban market pretty quickly. There's a lot of information out there. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I can understand why he would think about just living in the city so you know the city like the back of your hand. But you can learn it. Absolutely. Come to the city every day, work out of a city office. Even if you're in a suburban office, uh, come to the city, work out of a Starbucks. Beautiful part about being a realtor is you don't really have to sit in your office that much. So Mm. you can be mobile. You can move around. You can commute to the city. I know why he's asking because there is a group of people who try to say that it is important. Oh, you got to live in the city to be a city realtor. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I'm sure there's people who have an opinion otherwise that uh, might uh, refute me, and that's fine. That's their opinion. Mm-hmm. But I have the benefit of coaching and training a lot of realtors that live all around the Chicagoland area and work a vast number of markets, and I don't think you have to live in the area. Will you naturally have more business in the area you live in if you market yourself correctly in that area? Yes, but that doesn't take away from being able to work in other areas. So live wherever you want, Kenny. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah, and thank you for the questions. <laughs> These are really good questions. And, and 
what's really good about Kenny's questions are these are questions that realtors probably don't want to ask, but run through their heads a lot. You mm. know, they, they, this runs through their heads quite a bit. Mm. And I would tell him I lived five minutes from my office mm. and now I live an hour-ish in traffic from my office. Mm. It's never changed how my business works at all. So I'm going to pick up with what you said just a moment ago and lead us in to another clip. And while it's not right down that same avenue. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Um, mm-hmm. You were saying as far as look five years down the road and kind of target uh, what's important at that time frame. So we had a, we had a gentleman on who uh, is now the middleweight champion of the world for the PFL, which is, we can explain it when we come back from this, but when you were talking about that, throughout the course of the conversation with Lewis, put the guns down, Taylor, he was talking about uh, when he got into MMA, he had a, a time frame that he had given himself, and then he got to that, the end of that time frame, and had not done what he wanted to do, accomplish what he had wanted to. So he extended it, and he was talking about his wife uh, being shouldering the load and, and really helping the family and such. But he didn't want to isolate himself uh, just based on that one time frame and only live in that one neighborhood and so on and so on. So he really, he, with having a great wife, from the way it sounds, he really expanded his horizons and wanted to become middleweight champ. So I'm going to play this clip real fast, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get back to how he got into MMA and uh, everything he accomplished. And Lewis, you do a lot of coaching and training of uh, inner city kids and kids who um, you know, are at risk as well, correct? Uh, yeah, I've done, and um, <clears throat> I've always just tried to keep a door open if, if you want to walk through it. Yeah, you. So you're. In, again, I could be wrong. Your nickname used to be Handguns, and you've switched it to Put the Guns Down. What made you make that switch? And I'll let you explain the idea of Put the Guns Down. Put the Guns Down is is the message that I I strive to to give myself stepping away from the inner city. And 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 as I stepped away, I don't I don't want to isolate myself. But negativity breeds more negativity. So I found myself in a gym around positive people. And, and even though some of these people are police officers, firemen, et cetera, they might carry a gun, but it's, it's hand-to-hand combat. Be a man first. And I believe that uh, a lot of these inner-city kids are so scared of a fist fight. They're so scared to lose a fight, you know, or anything. You know, they'll, a lot of these guys, they've shot guns, but they've never even – they're too – literally, they, 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 they fear – an, an ass whooping, you know, yeah. and and I feel like um, put the guns down and you know just refine yourself as a man before you look for the look for a tool to to to, to end the disputes. Yeah, and it's a great point. I feel like a lot of people would avoid violence if you had to actually get in a hand to hand combat situation. So that whole clip, even though it was. Uh, completely different subject that with the industry he is in and what he has accomplished really what I was taking from that was he didn't want to hold himself back only due to 
and age. Uh, he changed his uh, title to from handguns to put the guns down because as you grow and evolve, you have to, as we were just talking about, he is sort of a business owner. He is his own business. Uh, he wanted to make sure that he was going to accomplish everything that he could and, and was able to just through that constant striving and so on and so forth. So even going back to living in the, in the burbs and coming into the city, you know what, Is if it's good for you, but you're still able to do everything that you want and accomplish and do right by your family, then by all means, you do don't you hold do. yourself back. Yeah, I urge people to go and listen to Lewis Taylor's entire episode. You know, he had a Absolutely. great episode. He had uh, we had Mike Cannon on with him that mm-hmm. that day. Shout out to both those guys. Absolutely, and go follow Lewis. I, I've been following him on social media for a while, even before he came on the show. But go follow him on Instagram and watch his stories because you watch and you can get a good feel for the type of guy he is and how much he really is trying to better his community, himself, the things he does with his family. Uh, He was just a great America with his kids. Um, He's just an all around infectiously, just like Johnny, like he's just an infectiously positive guy. Yeah. And it's crazy because you meet him and obviously he's, he won the PFL middleweight tournament. So it was a million dollar tournament Mm -hmm. and uh, he can kick the living crap out of you in, in a moment's notice. But that's not how he he comes off when you're around him. Not he comes off as just such a caring guy. You know, he's he's running programs for inner city kids in Chicago, and he talks about an open door policy where he just wants people to come in and be able to train and learn to um, address their issues without having guns yeah. and without vi- without yeah. you know uh, trying to kill each other. You know, mm-hmm. so he was one of those people who, again, very infectious, and uh, really enjoyed having him on the show and. It, from an MMA standpoint, it's, it's incredible to see, and I'm not going to call him old by any stretch of the means. I don't want to beat me up, but <laughs> for for a MMA athlete, you know, they say your your prime is you know 27 to like 32 or early 30s. You know, John right. Jones is 31, and Connor's in his early 30s. Khabib's I think in his upper 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, all these guys, that's about kind of their peak. Right. He's starting to peak later in life, and mm-hmm. you know, he had times where promoters were taking money from him and not. You know, giving him his due, and he was getting paid a couple hundred bucks to go out there and risk his life. Yeah. What people don't understand is, um, guys who are prize fighting are risking their lives, and they're for sure risking their health at a very, very high level. Yep. And he was doing that for a couple hundred bucks to be able to get to a point in his life where he could support his family and his kids. And thankfully, he's doing much, much better now. Uh, but he has not forgot where he came from, and he keeps trying to help kids that uh, were, you know, where he was ages ago. Yeah. And trying to get them to where he is now. So uh, big, big, big shout out to him. And uh, follow him because I think he's going to keep kicking butt in MMA. I do too. And I tell you, uh, to sit and talk with him and and listen to him. I mean, he's he's well put together. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But he even said in the show, uh, he was giving himself till 36. And he wound up winning the PFL uh, at 40. 40. Yeah. yeah. So She's incredible. I mean, there's very few... Especially in the fight world, I mean, you you can play a lot of sports a little bit longer than you can sure. fight somebody. Your yeah. your body goes 
completely different way. Your chin goes a different way. There's very few fight athletes that late in their career peaked. There's some people that did okay late in their career, you know, had a win or two here. Mm -hmm. But to start to get to a point where he's winning very big tournaments against really good guys Mm -hmm. later in uh, in his career, that shows he really is working very hard and smart at his sport now yep. at his age. Well, Randy agree. Couture comes to mind, but well, he started thinking, very he started so DC. late. DC. Yeah. I I hope that uh Cormier kinda I know he's forty already. I know he's got he's he's fighting Stipe. Maybe one more after that. I I want him to go out on top because he said it and he's gonna do the John Jones it. fight. Gotta do it. Well <laughs> I, I I think he has to do it for himself. For himself. I don't think he's got to do it to prove anything because I think, um, you know, John Jones twice got caught with uh, performance-enhancing yeah. drugs. Right, right. So I think, you know, there's something to be said there. It's always going to be there. DC has um, his entire career never had any of those issues. He's nope. um, been a clean fighter. And, yeah, you know, he started his fight career late. He wrestled his whole life, but his mm-hmm. MMA career, he started late. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I mean, he's done incredible stuff. I mean, m- minus the John Jones fight, yeah, that's which it, are really. now an asterisk yeah. next to them because of the PEDs. Um, DC has really been unblemished. Uh, beating Stipe a second time is going to be pretty crazy. I mean, because Stipe is a bad dude, too. And, he is. Uh, I, the first fight, I thought Stipe is going to just KO him. I was like, he's too big. He's too strong. He was right. on a tear. And DC came out and knocked him out he didn't yeah. he didn't wrestle Inside. him and and beat him to a decision because dc's no. a better wrestler he knocked him out so yeah. um that's gonna be an interesting one i think if he wins that one and i don't think a brock fight's gonna happen and they do have nope. the brock fight um he'll take that because it's big dollars and he'll beat brock up and so hopefully he does get the opportunity to do that and make money right. for his family and I think he's going to have to have the money fight with John Jones. I think just because he inside himself will want that fight. I agree. And he's going to make so much freaking money. It's going to be great going into retirement with a huge paycheck. Oh, yeah. And listen, there's no shame in losing to John Jones. Nobody's been able to beat him ever. Beset- right. Yes, he's done a bunch of crappy stuff. Yes, he's been on PEDs. Yeah, I, not my favorite fighter. No. Um, but he's looked unbeatable for a very, very long time. So there's no shame in anybody ever losing to John Jones. I, I thought he was winning that second fight, too, before he got uh, caught. Yeah. yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I agree. I, I just, however it plays out, I just hate to see somebody who knows that they should retire in this dangerous sport and allows themselves to either talk themselves into going too too long or outside forces or BJ whatever Penn. it might be, you know? Yeah. yeah BJ Penn. BJ There's Penn. a video came out yesterday, l- l- yesterday afternoon. He was drunk and leaving a, um, uh, a strip club in Hawaii. And he got into a drunken fight with the bouncer and he's laying on top of the bouncer in, uh, in side control. And they're just BJ, get, his friends are yelling, BJ, get up. They're calling yeah. the cops. And yeah. he spiraled out of control. The best version of retiring on top was George St. Pierre. I mean, there's nobody mm. who did retirement smarter than George. Right. You know, he retired on top of the game. He came back. He beat Bisbing. He walked away. There's apparently a clause in Khabib's contract, uh, mm. the GSP clause. Mm. Um, but I think the UFC is 
afraid of putting that fight together because if GSP beats Khabib, he's not going to stick around. And now he's devalued their most winning star. So I got the uh, belt. I'm out. Yeah. See you later. I'm leaving you with the loser. And GSP doesn't have to fight anymore. I mean, he can, he's in a position where he's like, I'll fight who I want, when I want, how I want on my terms. And if you can't do that, I'm content being retired because I made some money. (laughs) But yeah, he did it the best. I think he's the greatest example of an athlete, of any athlete, I think, going out at the right time. Michael Jordan, perhaps the most dominant athlete of all time, Mm -hmm. the most well-known athlete, came back and played on the Wizards. You know, even Mike Tyson came back. Ali, Ali. Ali, everybody who you think of as like a superstar has come back. Tom Brady's an example of this now. He's very, very good, but he wants to play for a very a lot longer period of time. Right. Will Tom Brady get to a point where you're like, oh, shoot, he waited too long to retire? Whereas right now, he's the GOAT. It's, yeah. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. Tim in my office is, is the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world. <laughs> but I can also admit he is the greatest. So if I was him, he's got enough money. His wife's got even more money than him. Yeah, which is crazy. Right out into the sunset as a champ. Right, right, right. I, you know, <laughs> winning the Super Bowl, as they just did, it's like, all right. You know, and Gronk, his tight end, retired. It's like, just go out together. Yeah. You know, I, You're the greatest I of all time. Not. Yeah. No, it, it's going to be decades before somebody can even lay claim to it. You know, now yeah. we got LeBron, Jordan, whatever. Basically, two decades no. later, he's not Jordan. No. Uh, evidenced by his most recent blunders but right right brady may never be touched so god go, no. go out on top buddy. yeah go watch your supermodel wife be a, a supermodel super yeah <laughs> yeah so uh but shout out uh to lewis taylor as you can all tell we're all john and i are also mma fans and yeah a little we're bit. excited about this stuff and but we've had mma guys on so it's been fun you brought up somebody and this is again a stretch but gsp while he's dominant in the uh, octagon, he is also incredibly charitable mm-hmm. outside the octagon. And he dedicates a lot of time and money towards causes that are uh, important to him, mostly dealing with kids and so on. Um, bullying. Off. Does a lot of yeah. bullying stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this next clip, even though, again, a little bit of a stretch, uh, we had your first. Your first intro was the was the most bump set spike. It was, I'm, but I'm you don't have an easy jo- you don't have an easy job introducing clips uh, here. Uh, we're gonna set this up better next time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the lady that I'm uh, about to show a clip of, uh, she heads a foundation named Sarah's Circle, and it is to uh, benefit women who are homeless, a lot of which who have come out of very abusive uh, relationships, marriages, whatever. And uh, again, another highly infectious, very positive, dealing with really horrendous situations. Uh, And just, wow, it was one of these things, I was listening to her and just the, the glow of positivity uh, she is really, she's an awesome, awesome person. So I'm going to play this real quick and then, uh, we comment on that real fast. So any advice, uh, at all for anybody listening? A couple things. One, um, be perseverant. Just keep at it. The, uh, it's, it's usually not easy. There's a lot of, of 
uh, roadblocks. You know, we talked a little bit about the funding issues, the zoning, but just be perseverant. Collaborate. Bring in more people to help you. Bring in um, other partners that might have an expertise that you don't. So um, always reach out and try to bring in your, your community support. And then keep the goal in mind. And it's for Sarah Circle, when you've housed a woman, when we've given an apartment key to somebody who's been homeless for decades, you can't, I can't describe that feeling. And it's kind of like, okay, keep that in mind and just keep at it. I imagine that that goal that you guys have is immediately apparent every time you help somebody. I mean, it's got, it, it almost is always right in the forefront of your mind. It is. If you, you can't imagine if somebody, if a woman's been homeless for, for years and then she walks into a brand new 320 square foot studio and it's hers. She's got a key, it's fully furnished and it's hers. She's safe. She has an address, a place to call home, a place to cook. Um, and you just keep that in mind, and that keeps you going. That's incredible. And for a lot of them, getting out of a very difficult, uh, violent situation to a mm -hmm. life of not having to deal with mm -hmm. very violent situations. So throughout the show, uh, I'm, I'm seeing we really do have a consistent uh, theme here, not, not by us, but by our guests, and it's grind, Keep moving forward. Keep your eye on the prize, whatever your personal prize is. Uh, in that case, uh, Sarah's circle, the prize is handing a key to a woman who has been homeless and needed help, and they are there to help, and just to see the smile and the light in somebody's eyes, that's their prize, and that's yeah. an awesome prize. And she talked, again, all of these episodes are on YouTube, full full episodes, and we also have all the podcasts. We're up to date on all that. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Heart and Google, Apple, Apple, yeah, iTunes. iTunes. Uh, so you can watch them or listen, but uh, but really, it's just it's helping others and grinding. Big, you know, big goals take a long time, and these people just keep at it. Keep at yeah, it, kid. Uh, yeah. I think, first of all, shout out to her charity. Um, yeah, it, it's goodness. incredible. I thought about her when I was in San Francisco. So um, we had done, I believe, Sarah's Circle a week before I went to San Fran. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to San Francisco, there's, it's impossible to avoid the number of homeless people that are all over the streets. I mean, Oof. to a point that. I was literally, it was like shock and awe. Mm. I went, I was walking around, you know, town a little bit because I had a lot of time to kill. I couldn't do any, sure. very much uh, leading up to the triathlon. And uh, I just put in my phone, my, my GPS at Walgreens, and it was like a 10 minute walk. Mm -hmm. But I don't know any of the neighborhoods in San Francisco, and I'm right. not the type of person that feels unsafe ever, really. And I didn't feel unsafe at all in San Francisco, but it took me through an area where, um, uh, a friend of mine that lives there said that's basically where everybody who is homeless from meth addictions end up. Oof. So I'm walking through these streets and it's, they're like lined up. I mean, it, it's heart wrenching when you're walking by mm -hmm. and you can't even try to help everybody there. I mean, it's mm. so bad and they just, it looked neglected. I, I was mad at the city, mm. a city who creates so much income and wealth and 
It's expensive. I mean, it's oh, three, four times the price brutal. of Chicago, which is which is out, outlandish. Maybe the most expensive city in the world. And you are bringing in so much revenue and you're allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it's a shame and, and shame appalling. on San Francisco. It's appalling. But what it made me realize is, wow, does... Chicago and people like Sarah's circle do incredible work because they are making such a movement to really fix this. And the more I was looking at stuff in San Francisco, uh, I'm sure there's tons of charities in San Francisco that are trying. Mm -hmm. But Sarah's circle, like how she was talking about how she works with the city and the inspectors and how people are trying to come together at least to stop this homelessness Mm -hmm. Um, and and her her situation, females who have it even tougher, Mm -hmm. uh, if you can imagine than males do that are homeless, um, kudos to her because that job is not easy. And her and Chicago's charities that are helping homelessness mm-hmm. are doing a better job than some of the other big cities because we are a bigger city than San Francisco. Um, right. And we should have a ton more homeless people than San Francisco. But people like Kathy and Sarah Circle are doing a good job of of fixing that problem because there's places you go Hollywood California is an example of that that it's pretty bad I haven't been there in a while but nothing like I've ever seen in San Francisco and I was appalled and shame on San Francisco for not doing better um, with them the tax rate in California as a whole is outrageous yeah and where that tax money is going and not to get into a big thing but offering free health care for people that are not Citizens, when you have, there, I mean, I urge you walk, get, go to San Francisco. I think I was in like Knob Hill or something, mm-hmm. and walk ten minutes away from the water. Right, and you are going. Your your mind will be blown at how poorly some cities are handling the people that are actually living in their cities homeless wow. on the side of the road. It's uh, it it sucked. And uh, shout out to Sarah Circle. And, and you brought up her point about grinding and, and all of that stuff and never quitting and knowing, like mm-hmm. you said, um, a, a successful business takes a long time. Sure. I, I go back to Tony Robbins' quote. Uh, actually, it's Bill Gates' quote that Tony Robbins used, and um, I, I know a lot of people that use it. Everybody overestimates what they can achieve in a year. Everybody mm-hmm. underestimates what they can achieve in a decade. Everybody thinks that you know, a year into business, they should be killing it. It just doesn't happen that way. Sometimes it takes a long time to be successful. And I'm sure Sarah's Circle, uh, again, like, you know, they have this the, a new building that's being built and, mm-hmm. and it's under construction right now. Mm-hmm. Think about how far they've come from when they first started. Unbelievable. And she, we said it on the show, you know, for them, uh, handing that key over makes their purpose and their why immediately apparent. Yep. But as any business owner, you just have to know that you have some why and some purpose. And it might take a long time, but just keep reminding yourself of that why every time things get hard. And be realistic about your goals. And um, if we got a second, I'll actually, a friend texted me a question that he did not want me to, he did not want to ask because he, he didn't want to ask it, but he texted it to me not long ago while during one of the clips. And he said, how do people manage their emotions? And that's probably why he didn't want it to be a sure. question he asked during being a business owner. And I was like, whoa, that's actually kind of a good question. I've been thinking about it while we've been talking. Um, And I think you just have to manage emotions in a business by relating them a little bit to your expectations, not just of your business, but of people around you. Mm -hmm. You have to know your audience and you have to not allow 
little ebbs and flows in business or your day or small failures to set you into a uh, in an emotional mess, mm-hmm. at least not outwardly. If you are upset about something, you I always tell people, you, nobody has a right to tell somebody you're not allowed to be upset about something. That it's a stupid thing to tell people. Sure. But how you react to being upset uh, mm-hmm. really makes a difference. Um, so you have to just not allow the smallest things to affect your emotions so much, because that's a miserable way to be a business owner. And you have to expect that things are going to be hard. You have to expect that things are going to be difficult. You have to expect that you're going to fail a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Tommy Choi, who I, I have to get him on the show because I, I, I've mentioned him a bunch of times in the past. Right. He, he coaches this thing um, in some of his uh, speaking engagements. And he says, for those of you that don't know Ch- Tommy, he's also one of the most successful realtors in Chicago and a fantastic speaker, if you've ever heard him speak. And he said something at an event that he said, it's okay to fail, but fail forward. Mm-hmm. And I use that now a lot. So shout out to him because I want to give him credit because I got it from him. And that's what I think business owners who are failing or dealing with emotional issues um, or, or hard spots need to do. Learn from what that made you feel like and mm-hmm. then try not to feel that way in reaction to what just happened mm-hmm. the next time. Mm-hmm. And if you fail, fantastic. Fail a lot early because the earlier you fail, If you are the type of person who can reflect on a failure, you've learned from it. You won't fail like that later on. I will sit down with any business owner, especially law and uh, real estate, because I have um, a good understanding of it. I would sit down with, and I know you would for anybody in the podcast world as well. We're still learning. We've come a long way. We've been giving people advice on the show and off air about how to kind of do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm a giver's gain mindset. I'll sit down and tell you the mistakes I made early on so you wouldn't, Mm -hmm. because people did that for me too. But I think you have to fail early on, and you have to expect to fail. And you got to manage your expectations of growth because you will not be an overnight success unless you have again, unless you got a beautiful voice and then right. you went on a show. But even that probably wasn't overnight success. There is very that word overnight success or that mm-hmm. term should be thrown out. It right. just doesn't happen. That's a right. f- fucking fairy tale. Yeah. Unless no. you won the lottery, and then you're an overnight well, yeah. success. <laughs> but that's a it's a freaking fairy tale term of art. There's no overnight success. Right. Manage your expectations and your emotions. You'll get better at managing them. I used to be a guy who used to get angry all the time at stuff. Hmm. People in my office are like, "You're pretty even keeled, like very even keeled when things get tough." Hmm. It's like I've learned I have to manage that. If I'm the asshole who yells and screams every time something goes wrong, right. nobody's gonna want to work with me. I don't have a choice. Do I want to sometimes scream at people and be like, are you fucking stupid? Yeah, I do, but I can't. So <laughs> there it is. You manage it. And uh, Maggie said hi to us. Hi, Maggie. Hey, babes. Uh, just to weigh in on that a little bit. So I have found, I'm, people tell me that I seem pretty chill, but I'm not at all. Uh, and But I have found I can hold back my venting my frustration until I'm alone. I'm a car yeller. I'll get in the car and yell at nobody, but I get it out. Yeah. And just after it's gone, after I've said everything and nobody heard it except me, I do feel better. But then I can refocus on the big picture, whatever the big picture is in that project or for whatever I'm working towards. Uh, So I'm a big... I feel that allowing yourself, like you said, you're going to get frustrated. Um, it's just learning how to control it 
either until it goes away, perhaps you let it melt away. I don't know. I get in the car and yell and scream. Usually it takes You're about that crazy looking seconds. person on I people's really Instagram am. stories. Only, only, only for like, like 90, 90 seconds. I just, motherfuck every blah, 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 blah. But then, gone. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what you're very good at. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'm just going to say it. You, when you are thinking about something you want to bring up business related, even between business partners, you, you can tell you've thought about it. So you're not just like knee-jerk reaction, throwing something out there. And I've dealt with people who do that. And, mm-hmm. and that is, if you're a business owner and you're dealing with people and you're about to say something to somebody that you want to bring up that you, is a piece of advice, it's a grievance, it's a, hey, we should do this differently, or hey, we've done this poorly, or hey, I expect this of you, think about how you're going to manage that message. Because once, I always tell everybody this, even ex-girlfriends, I've told my sister this, I've told my parents <laughs> this words once they come out are like the bullet and the gun you've pulled that trigger they're out you can't stuff them back in they're heard it's done Mm -hmm. um so uh manage the message well you do a very good job of that because you're good about keeping people accountable but you're also good about being like hey um we should be doing this and we said we're going to do this and we didn't do this um can, can, can we do this again and you're very good at that and that is something that i think people in business have to learn to do. You have to be able to air your grievance or air your suggestion or air your expectation without coming off like an asshole to people because right. genuinely, if you do that too much to your coworkers, if you do it too much to your business partners, do it too much to your girlfriend, spouse, significant other, eventually they're gonna be like, fuck off. But right. um, yeah, you gotta learn to communicate better. And, and yeah. communication is a, but you're good about actually saying it because you need to communicate. And I, I would I would urge people, you know, I, I've had a lot of business partners and the ones I still have that are working now, we're never going to meet eye to eye on 100% of things. You know, mm-hmm. we, we there will be times we don't meet eye to eye. But if we sit down like mature business owners or partners and say, hey, listen, this is my viewpoint on that. This is my viewpoint on this. And then we think of what's the better good for the the business or the partnership, big picture. And we, big picture, and we go with that, and nobody feels bad. I've had times with you where we differ on things, but we're like, okay, we think this will be better for Wheelhouse. Jeff's a great example of it. I've had times with him where uh, we don't see eye to eye on stuff, but we're like, you know what, this is the best thing for the agents. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's I was wrong, right. and he agrees. And sometimes I've been like, you know what, your suggestion's better for the office. Right, Let's right. go with it. And I think that communication is key, and you're very good at that. And some people aren't, and I think business owners need to know. It goes back to emotions a little bit. Like, you, you figure out a way to keep your emotions in check, and then don't just spew them out without thought. Because words are like bullets. Oh yeah. You yeah, you pull yeah. you pull the trigger of a word and it's out. Yeah. Mm, can't get it back in. You see, politicians do it all the time. Like, you know, where politicians are good, they <laughs> some some yeah. <laughs> um, don't don't tweet everything you feel right away. But right, right. you know. The word politician means they've become very good at politics and how to phrase what they have to say. Sometimes that then turns into bullshit, but they're very poised with their message because they know they cannot offend a bunch of people. So I'm not saying be a politician, but Mm. the one thing you can learn, I, I think you can learn from everybody. The one thing you can learn from politicians is they're measured in making statements that may offend people because you have to manage the message and you can't immediately just spew things out. Because you will offend people, especially mm-hmm. in your life that are close to you. You know, if you, if if you offend a stranger, that still sucks. But who 
in the grand yeah. scheme of things, who gives a shit? Right, right. Um, but if you offend somebody you got to work with every day, or you offend uh, your significant other, or your staff, you hurt a staff member's feelings sure. because you were hasty with your emotions. That's not a good idea. Every once in a while, everybody, you know, you say everybody something stupid or it comes out wrong. That's so. Maggie and I have a an understanding, and we've had this for a long time. You know, we text a lot back and forth. She flies. I'm here. Um, we can't always just have full conversations, but, uh, so we'll text, you know, back and forth. How's your day? But I have seen other couples, uh, who will text an argument. Yeah. And, it, I and, and I'm not talking teenagers. I'm talking full grown adults, anything important or anything that could be taken wrong just because it's dry words you know there's no inflection or it uh but i see people do that you know conversations need to be had mm -hmm. and how something is said is oftentimes just as important as what's being said uh, yeah i think uh, at least i mean i was insanely guilty of it um my ex and i were very guilty of text arguing sometimes and Everybody misinterprets the t when you're arguing, mm. you interpret them as being combative with you, even if it's not, because sure. it's the nature of an argument. Two people are disputing each other. So right. you have no understanding of tone and context when it's via text. Yep. Um, if you are a business owner texting your, um, your staff or your team or something, try to be uh, explain things. I've told people in our office, if you're sending an email about something that needs to be, you know, corrected or changed make sure that the tone comes off endearing mm. you know because mm -hmm. uh, just a brief email even if it's not meant to offend can offend it's the same yep. thing as a text it's the like the joke of like okay it's like if you write okay when you're busy mm -hmm. um somebody might look at that and be like well this person's mad you're not mad right. at all you might be busy um but that's a prime example of how even a simple one word answer can be contrived the wrong way when you're arguing, for sure. I mean, I was I was guilty of it. I was very bad at it. Busy, you're arguing, you're texting. We both were very bad at it, and mm -hmm. I think it it early on leading to future struggles. I think was a, was a was a big fault of ours. So I agree. I wouldn't text. Tim said, "I'm the master <laughs> of saying stupid things over text and in person." Well, we can't help you about saying stupid things in person. Uh, I've known this guy for thirty some odd years, and I'm not going to argue. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, Come on, you are not. You are not. Maybe it's uh, with some Guinness and Jameson. Yeah, don't maybe. text any of your emotions when you drink. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, man, I I hate phone calls. I, I get a thousand voicemails a month, so mm. I do my very best never to take phone calls that I don't have to take. So I, I text a lot because mm. I just hate the. F I hate my phone. But if it's anything of importance, right. yeah, better to have it face to face, yeah, especially in a business setting. If you're going to have to have a business decision, uh, don't bicker via text. Oh, God, that's no. No. silly. That's ridiculous. Uh, so I tell you what, we are we're yeah, we're 20, 20 minutes over, but uh, we had one last clip from Johnny Immerman uh, to sort of close out the show. And it's important. Uh, again, we we played a little bit of his interview, uh, but one other point that he made, I'm going to play it. I hope I'm playing the right one here. Uh, we'll find out. 
And then real quick, when we come back, just comment on that and get out. But uh, Johnny Immerman, Immerman Angels, uh, this was episode 49, so about eight weeks ago. Uh, great guy, great cause. Uh, so listen to what he has to say. And then, uh, if yeah, I'll just let it go from there. Cool. It's much more about a team than my personal story, but... But I think a really important point for all of us to be educated on is don't be foolish like I was. I didn't go to a doctor for five years. From 21 years old, I got my last blood test and checkup when I was in college, junior year, up to the day I was diagnosed. I didn't see a doctor once. Now that sounds crazy and foolish, which it is. And uh, the reason I share that is so no one else does that because when they found my cancer, it was pretty advanced and it spread from my testicle up into the pelvis little bit to the abdomen behind the kidneys almost to the lungs two three months later lungs brain you know and we lose most people then so time matters and i think anyone out there who wants to take their their health in their own hands everyone should you know to get that annual blood test meet with a doctor get a checkup i mean that's how we're going to save more lives i was a lucky guy who had advanced cancer and wasn't educated but if we educate more people to go in more and get checked more often, we are going to save more people. If you find it earlier, it's a different fight. So I'm not here to preach, but uh, I do believe in, I would always do, have always done, uh, every two years on even numbers, get a checkup, full blood workup. I know you just recently did. Yeah. Astonishing. Um, so I've got one coming up soon. And because I'm, I got a bigger birthday coming up this year. I think after that, it should be, <laughs> uh, I think I should go start doing it once a year. And he, I mean, again, super nice guy, been through hell, great outlook. And for him to sit there and say, listen, part of the reason that it spread so much is because I was negligent in my own health and such uh for a survivor to say it that carries some weight at least for me so get out there uh take care of yourself yeah take care of yourself just invest in yourself he got cancer in his 20s very very young and he was lucky that he uh caught it you know uh not lucky he's very unlucky he had it but lucky he caught it Mm -hmm. um i did just have recently have a blood test i mean i'm my dad's a physician, so he forces it sometimes. My energy levels were low. I went and got a blood test. My cholesterol's through the roof. I had some muscle enzyme issues, and then uh, my vitamin levels were very, very low. So he's fixing that for me, and if I don't fix it, he's going to force me to cholesterol meds, which I don't want to be on, which is crazy to me because I'm a pretty active guy. So when I got that, I'm like, shoot, I'm in the mid-30s. Like, I need cholesterol meds. This is a wake-up right. call for me. But cancer especially spreads aggressively and very, very fast. I'll mm-hmm. bring Maverick up as mm-hmm. an example of this. My mm-hmm. dog, he gets tested every single year. So my sister's a veterinarian. I take him in every single year. He gets his blood test done. He Every year I take him in. Mm-hmm. His one-year checkup was three days after he passed away mm. from his last one, and I'm up to date. And he had a tumor that grew on his heart, ruptured very, very fast. So if you're a human and you decide you think you're going to go two years, three years, four years, five years without getting... Mm -hmm. a physical check Mm -hmm. a lot could be happening that you're not aware of i had zero signs that he was ill you know a lot of cancer patients say i don't have any signs i spoke to my dad about this i said you know um i wish i had a sign 
you know, I wish I'd known that something was wrong with him. And he said, uh, you know, your sister's a vet. She says a similar thing about uh, dogs and cats. Do- dogs hide it really, really well. Yeah. But a lot of times in human cancer, the so- by the time your body produces a sign that something is wrong, it's way too late and it's spread and now you're in a dire situation. But if you're on top of that early, it's what they always say, stages of cancer. Right. When you catch them in early stages, you have high likelihood of success. Right. The people who catch them in early stages typically catch them by either mistake mm-hmm. because they've something else happened to them and they have to go to a doctor or they're proactive about their health and right. seeing a physician because cancer unfortunately doesn't show itself to very later on. Heart, my dad's a cardiologist, he says this all the time. That's why heart attacks are silent killers because you just don't know what's going to happen. Happens and you're like, whoa. Yeah, there's things like being overweight, eating poorly, cholesterol. Th- sure. There's things you got to do to keep yourself healthy, but you have to go get yourself checked up and start earlier because, like he said, he was a fit guy in his 20s. Yeah. You know, who got it. And, you know, I had a friend of mine in college who um, thankfully beat cancer too, but really fit guy. But got it, you know, and it's not to say the chances of somebody in their 20s getting it is high, but what's a what's a one hour check of your doctor? Yeah, you know, going to take away from your uh, from your overall. Year. Yeah, yeah. Go get checked up. Uh, I know it's expensive and insurances suck, but your health is your wealth, and uh, when it goes, it, yeah. it goes. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm I had a huge awakening when I looked at my cholesterol levels. It wasn't just high; it was like way off the charts. And my really? dad, yeah, yeah. My LDL was 170. I was 290 overall. My dad, we have heart disease in our family. My grandma had a couple heart attacks. Like we just, we have it in our family. And he looked at me and goes, listen, like this is not just bad. It's bad, bad. And you live a very high stress life. Yeah, you're physically in shape, but you yo-yo around on your diet a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, People in their 30s do have heart attacks and die. So go ahead and fix it now. But I had the benefit of, you know, a lot of our friends will be in their 30s or 40s and you know they're physically very very fit if you looked at me you would not imagine how if, if i god forbid fell over tomorrow had a heart attack you wouldn't be like oh man that's weird like he just did a triathlon and he right. you know is pretty active but i could if i don't fix this problem so sure. a lot of people in their 30s and 40s just don't take care of their health thinking i'm okay but what about your diet you uh I, it's been you doing poor, but i gotta change it i mean we had portillos today we did um my dad gave me five weeks. He gave me a one-week gimme. He had given me six weeks yeah. a couple weeks ago. He gave me a one-week gimme after the Maverick thing to just get myself sorted and get back in shape. But he goes, you got five weeks and I'm testing you again. It better be on its way down. So, yeah, I'm changing my diet a little bit. I'm actually, shout out, uh, we're going to be doing a juice diet pretty soon. Go to our good old past guest and get myself two, mm-hmm. three juices. Yep. Um, and uh, do my very best to get my diet in check. Because health is wealth, and uh, we've said it. We've had a lot of very healthy people on. What we've seen is with a lot of our entrepreneurs too, they do things to manage their health. They wake up Got in the it. morning, they work out, they eat right, yep. and uh, we have to do that. So thank Got you, it. Johnny, for the very valuable lesson from a very unfortunate situation that happened to him. Yep, but if somebody's going to speak to it, it's somebody like him who, right. you know, as we all know already, but boy, oh boy, he... If he says it, it's like, yeah, you should really get there. And just once a year, like you said, it doesn't take real long, but just do it. You, can, you can't avoid freak accidents, but you can do things to mitigate yeah. potential damage to your health. Sure. And everything you do poorly is exponential compared to everything you do good. It's, it, 
<laughs> you know this, I know this, anybody who's probably over the age of 25 to 27 starts to realize it. Mm -hmm. What you do negatively, like when you have a burger mm -hmm. or a full pizza, mm -hmm. it takes you a week to mm -hmm. right your wrong. So mm -hmm. it's okay to do those things, but you have to get yourself into a healthy lifestyle. If you're, if you're treating your body poor constantly and then mm -hmm. you're peppering in workouts, you're better than somebody that does nothing. Yeah. But that's not the that doesn't equal your you have a healthy lifestyle. No. It doesn't. Sleep is something we've touched on a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Just do all the right stuff and for sure get checked every single year. Yep. Eat salads. Get off the creamy pasta, not you, but just in general. Yeah, well, I for sure have to. I mean, I I again gained probably 25 pounds back um, since the challenge. Since the challenge, yeah. Holy I'm shit, 25 really? pounds back. I mean, wow. I started to train very triathlon based yeah. and then very swim heavy. So I was, I was eating a lot because I was doing so much cardio. So yeah. I, I had given like my figure had, I'd been like F my figure. I just have to get through this triathlon. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ate poorly. I, 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 in my head, I thought to myself, I'm doing so much cardio. I can eat like shit. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. And, um, now I'm paying for it, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change that back and, okay. and just keep it that way. So, my friend. Yeah, that was crazy. That was good. Um, we went 90 minutes. 90 minutes of just A lot of good talking. questions. Yeah, very good questions. Thank you very much for those. And uh, so we're going to be off next week because it's the 3rd of Oh, that's of right, July. 3rd of July. Yeah. So we'll be back on the 10th, um, regular time, 3 o'clock. I do have uh, a couple. I've got uh, a father and daughter uh, they're not business partners, but one is in the podcast world and one is in the video cast world, live stream more, I guess you'd say. Um, and they, they want to come on. Uh, it's going to be a Skype. They live in Saskatchewan. I always have a hard time with this one. Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, super nice people. So they're going to be on the 10th and I'm trying to decide if we should bring another in-studio guest because they're just, they're really cool. But it's going to be a great show regardless. Uh, everybody, uh, happy 4th of July. I know it's early, but be careful. Uh, fireworks are fun, dangerous, but fun. Uh, eat, drink, be merry. Eat healthy, drink healthy, be merry. <laughs> really hard, to, hard to eat healthy during the 4th of July. Uh, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, overall. have fun. Enjoy the 4th. It's one of my favorite holidays in Chicago, especially. Oh, a lot yeah. of stuff to do. Shout out to uh, guests from last week at Navy Pier, all the Navy Pier staff they oh, work yeah. with. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, go check everything out at Navy Pier for the 4th. and For sure. The fireworks on the 3rd, too. I think they got the 3rd and the 4th. They got fireworks. Because so 3rd's Wednesday, the 4th yeah, is Thursday. That would make sense. So you got two days of fireworks at Navy Pier. Very cool. Very cool. Anything uh, else? No, nothing else. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Uh, I appreciate when you guys ask questions on these Ask Mo and John stuff. And, uh, yeah, we thank you guys for tuning in every week. If you guys can share us, like us, uh, follow us on everything, Instagram, on Facebook, if you can subscribe to us on YouTube, and then just get the word out that we are on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere that a podcast can be seen, mm -hmm. we can be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. So yep. thanks, guys. In three, two, one.